Welcome to episode 588 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 558 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How are you going, mate? I'm pretty good. Fan flipping tastic, are you? Fan flipping tastic. Fan flipping. Why are you fan flipping tastic? Well, do you know? Oh, no, well, wait. No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> that, there's been a um, challenge of reconsidered your performances at, at Rote. And what they've done is you can now go sub, you can now claim a sub nine. Because what we do is we combine. My two times with your time, we divide them by three, and you come out a winner because that's what we do in New Zealand. <laughs> John's gone political on his team. <laughs> anyway, we'll carry on with the show. We got political John's problems gone, in this John, country. <laughs> no, we haven't, John. We live in an MMP system, John. You need just need to just need to build a bridge and get on with it, okay? You lose, but you win. Hey, my, my team won, so I'm happy. Anyway, uh, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. I can't believe you're political at the start. <laughs> Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. Uh, let's name a few, John. We have Michael Built to Last Collins. Uh, we've got Christopher Little J Swan. And Ben Popeye Moore. Peter Bionic Man Mills. And those are some of the patrons. If you want to become a patron, go www.iamtalk.me. Guys, on this week's show, we've got Political uh, watch. <laughs> what I've got to say, you know what? You might not like what's happened, John, but considering what's happening around the world of politics, I think we're pretty good. <laughs> you know, we might have one bad in Winston, but you know what? You know, I think we're all right. Uh, we've got some news. We've got discussion of the week. We've got age group of the week. We've got an interview, John. We have with uh, Dirk Bockel, and so he is a former pro athlete, had several top tens in Kona, went 7.52 in, uh, in Challenge Rote, winning that one year, and just wanted to get a bit of a, a commentary from the ex-pros inside of you of how Kona panned out, and he also has um, a book and some other products out as well. I'm pretty glad I'd get my Nihau t-shirt, but pretty I, I, I like your new system. It's a really good system. It works uh, everywhere. Works of the week. Winger of the week. Okay, John, let's get into it. So this week's news, really good news, and probably the best piece of news we could get this week is that Matt Russell is on the mend and seems to be pretty lucky to get off Harry got off. Yes, yeah, so the only news I've got out of that was a post that he did uh, earlier in the week on... Are you on Instagram, Instagram, John? No, I'm not. I went on, I had to go Twitter and then I think it was a link off to his Instagram. It was a picture of him with Patrick Lang uh, and he was recuperating, he was up and about, but you could see he had uh, some pretty... Oh, he's got a good discovery. So, so he's got here feeling very grateful today. God truly gave me another chance at life. I have a, my friend, my family. I can walk. The sharpness of my mind is starting to come back. I am physically and very emotionally hurt and shaken up, but thankfully, for all, thankful for all those many things. You cannot see in the photo, but I have stitches on the side of my neck over seven inches long, which was life-threatening. Thank you for all the people that were at the scene and quickly responded to me as I would not be here if it wasn't for you. Always nice to have my friend and now Ironman champion, Patrick Ling, um, come and visit me. Congratulations to him all on the day. Remember, 
Each day is truly a gift from God. Thank you all so much for your support and even donating. I'm sure everyone has had lots of questions, but right now I'm just getting to spend some time with my family and recovering. But yeah, you can almost see in the photo. Yeah, big scar down his neck. Right around the bottom. Like, you like, know, like you think of a movie when you're kind of trying to kill someone. Yeah. That's where he's got the scar. Slit in your throat, basically. So it's good to see. I think when I looked last week, he had about 70,000 The people had donated for sort of the the. the Give a little type okay, page. Great. I'm not sure what it's, what it's called, but yeah, we'll see what that means for his career. But um, lucky guy to be, you know, having another oh, crack at life. Mate, so. What a horrible thing to go through, and just horrible thing. But what a wicked outcome! Because mm. it could have been. Imagine how tragic it could have been. Mm. You know, so just all our love goes out to him and his family, and, and just really great news. Uh, last we've got some results about Reef. So Reef going for the million dollars in the what do they call it? Triple Crown. Triple Crown. Turns out Gomez can go for it as well. Well, yes, because she mentioned that um, Bob Babbitt was interviewing her and uh, she said, yep, I'm, I'm still going for that. And then uh, I got forwarded, I think uh, Peter sent us through Peter a little Coulson. link. Yes, and somebody was tweeting, I think it was Trent Chapman was tweeting, does that mean Gomez is still on the running or what's going on here? And yeah, Gomez is still on the running and Reef is still on the running. So it could be a Do we know if Gomez is racing it? Foolish uh, not to. Foolish not to. A million bucks. Yeah. Because she got it, didn't she? She got it two years ago, didn't she? Yes. Yeah. So both in the running because they've I'd won. love to be going for a million bucks. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> both 70.3 World Championships and the next one. You wouldn't one. have to worry about the politics, John. You, you wouldn't. Just, no. You just so good luck to them. Hope they can take it out and I hope it gets some coverage. Well, it's just weird. It, it, I think it, we all agree it's weird. It is weird. Even the fact that we didn't even know Gomez was going for it or, or possibly could get it. Mm. It is weird. I've got to say also, I'm a little bit baffled by, now you've got this down here, the top prize money. Hold on, let's just go through. Okay, well, okay, okay. Uh, we had the great Floridian happen over the weekend. John, what happened there? Uh, we had Bryce Williams, 41 from Leighton, Utah, take it out in 9.57.41. And April Warner from Milton, Florida, winning the girls in 12.22. Nice work. One of the not so many non-WTC or challenge iron distance races in the States that's still surviving. So good on you, the great Floridian. So this John's on our show notes here has got the top prize five prize money earners for both female and male. Now is this for all races throughout the year, or is this still a thing Challenge puts out? No, this is so this is a thing that Challenge puts out, which is the main races. You know, so ITU, Challenge, Ironman. Oh, okay. So it's not the bonus other, system. No, and if there's anything else sort of fairly significant, what I don't think it takes into consideration is bonus prize pools so for example the ITU athletes get very good bonus prize pool uh, I don't know whether they add in the, the challenge bonus prize pool of course it doesn't include sponsorship or anything like that okay. but it's um, yeah there's a bit it's, it's, it's quite a mix of I was of confused because I, I, challenge also have their, their mm. bonus system but that's only for challenge races isn't it if they were getting this bonus for the challenge system I think everybody would be doing the challenge races yeah so in the top 10 you've got in Holly Lawrence in 10th place earning a whopping $65,000 US in prize money then Annabelle Luxford Andrea Hewitt Kirsten Casper Sarah Crowley was in 6th place uh, with 118000 Ashley Gentle Lucy Charles Katie Zaveris at 126000 then quite a big Leap up to the f the front two, Flora Duffy with two hundred fifteen thousand, and Daniela Reef with two hundred thirty five thousand. So that's what the top Kahuna's are earning in the top ten. I'd love to know their costs. 
you know, what would be the cost? Now, I know you're going to say something like an Andrew Hewitt is funded by the government, mm. so I imagine a lot of your costs are covered. Um, but, you know, like an Ironman athlete, like like Lucy Charles, is she Ironman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a Lucy Charles, she's earning a good income. She's earning 123000 I imagine, US mm-hmm. um, a year, which is, you know, not, not to laugh at. But what's the cost of being an athlete? Mm. You know, like travel? A lot of that, I guess, would depend on what your training setup is. You know, if you're based in one place for nine months of the year and you travel for three or four months, or if you're someone like maybe a Daniela Reef who is – often going from training camp to training camp and you're in different locations fairly regularly. So I think there'd be a lot of variability in that. And especially when you get down to sort of maybe the second and third tier pros, they probably, you would think, maybe based in their home city a little bit longer. I guess the thing is, as soon as you start getting outside the top 10, you know, you look down to 20th place, it's only 40,000 US. Um, and in 30th place, 30,000 US. 40th, uh, 27,000 US. And so our 50th best female triathlete in the world is earning a whopping 19,000 US dollars. Yeah, it's mm. a huge amount of money. Daniela will really dominate if she wins a million dollars. Yeah, so don't know if this will be added on in terms because that's probably more of a bonus. It's not necessarily prize money. from a, uh, This is prize okay. money from racing. Uh, so I remember when we were talking about, you remember a few years ago when we went to Kona and we were trying to discover what pros were earning? Mm-hmm. And I remember I, the pro I asked who was a top he had a podium placer in Kona. Mm-hmm. He said in his prime, he was earning about three or four hundred thousand a year. Mm. Now he was racing about maybe seven or eight years ago. Now, mm. so it'd be interesting. Like Daniel, he wasn't a Daniela Reef level. You know, like Daniela outside of that million dollar bonus, you got to assume he's earning close to a million a year. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, because he's Red Bull. But I think for, if, if we take those top couple out of the equation, I sort of the feeling I got was you'd sort of double your prize money. Um, oh, okay, so the, someone like a, like Lucy Charles would be on 250k. Mm, okay. and, and and even like the second or third third tier pros, if you were earning 20,000, you might be taking home 40,000 or something like that. It's just kind of the feeling that so I like got. So 250,000, she's a top tenner, she's fourth in, based on this, so you know, one of the fourth best based on prize money. 250k is good money. Mm. You know, think of an all black, what's an all black make? Second tier all blacks are only going to, you know, mm. probably make... A little bit more than that, especially yeah. US. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. on the guys' side of things, in tenth uh, place, Jake Burkwistle with sixty-five grand. Tim Don ninth. Jonathan Brownlee eighth, after a pretty crappy year. Sebastian Keenlay uh, seventh with eighty-six thousand, and then you get the guys into the hundreds with Christian Blumenfeld, Patrick Langer in fifth. This must have been pre Kona. Uh, Lionel mm. Sanders in fourth. Richard Murray in third. Javier Gomez in second, and Mario Mola in first. Maybe it wasn't because uh, I think it was I don't actually have the date on there but I don't think he'd done too well, he's done three races mm. I, think he, I think you get 110,000 for 120 to one Kona is it yeah yeah. Yep. so may, maybe that is post Kona so we only had 6,000 over two races maybe maybe we didn't hear much of him before it did we mm. yeah we wouldn't have earned enough in three races to, yeah so it must be Which is, so then we look at um, where's Blumen Frodo well, what did Frodo do this year? He yeah, did, that's he, what I mean. He did. Uh, not, I don't think he's on he the did list. Aust- Austria and just one or two other smaller races. So no, he'll be. He's uh, not, no, he's not on the list. Okay, that's a weird one. Wow, so he's earned no money this year. No, he has because he, he won well, in sure Austria. He's, he's won some money, but <laughs> uh, he struggled this year, John. <laughs> you look down twentieth, Andy Potts with forty-two thousand, uh, and thirtieth place, Andy Buscher with twenty-seven thousand, and. Andre Vistika was in 40th with 23,000, and Andrew Starkowitz was in 5th and 20,000. 
And that was on the 15th of October, so uh, uh, yeah, that must include, yeah. include them as the last races. Oh, the fact they had the dates here, probably, <laughs> we probably should have seen that. <laughs> Extra column. <laughs> Next prize when, money when you think it was is last money race. We are pretty we sharp. Are sharp. We are just, <laughs> <laughs> Damn elections have put us oh, off. That, that three party system. Okay, John, uh, what we've got coming up this weekend? We've got the next pro race is Ironman Malaysia. It's not till November 11th, so we're definitely in a quiet time. Yeah. And then we've got um, Arizona. Yep, Ironman Arizona coming up as well. We have got Florida coming up the weekend after next, but I don't think that's a pro race. So we're getting towards the end of the season. Well, this is where people try to get points now, isn't it? Mm. So you're going to, you just, people who struggled in, struggled in Kona. Or you get people who got the Kona really well and just want to tick off that run race. Uh, you're going to see some. So you often see some good names at these types of races, don't you? You do, and and that's one thing that Dirk Bockel was was saying when I interviewed him is, you know, geez, if you got the form and if you mentally think you're capable of actually doing something, you've got to. Get, and if you haven't finished in the top ten, you've got to get some points. And uh, I, I certainly would agree that that would be what I would be doing if I was a pro athlete that finished in twentieth place. And I wanted to go to Kona next year. I'd be on it. Get on it. I am talking here, guys. We've got, we've, got, we've got a deal, John. Limited time offer. Limited time offer. Orders over $50 get free shipping worldwide. So if you want to look fancy in the gear, I see uh, Mike Michael Turner or Titch Turner. He's Titch wearing, Turner. posting pictures of himself in Facebook gear, sweating away up in Darwin. And Peter Thaus was over in Kona. This is right on the website, John. You do get some uh, some. Get some, get some love out there on the race course and when you're out training. So it's great quality gear. We get really good feedback with Champion Systems gear. Bevan likes the, the nappy pad. Oh, my God. The nappy pad changed my life. I, <laughs> John, it was unbelievable. So uh, I feel ripped off when I'm not wearing it now, <laughs> even when I'm just going out in the town. So there you go. Go get our I Am Talk gear. Just go through our website and click on the store button and you can go off and order it. And uh, those guys take care of everything. And as I said, orders over 50 bucks, free shipping. So get on it, team. Limited time offer. Okay, also, guys, we've got the I Am Talk camp happening in Camp Kiakaha happening in Rote next year. We've got a few spots left. So if you do want to go, and there's only a few spots left, so make sure you get on it now. We've got to close it soon, don't we? We do, because we have to get the entries in before their final sort of release of entries. So can't sit around on this one. If you want to go, it's... Uh, Start of July next year, the camp is the last week of June, and we get to see all the cool things around the whole sort of Bavaria oh, area. It was an, the whole thing was like a life-changing experience. We're going to the Erding. I'm going to make a trip to the Erdinger factory this year for people that arrive early. So if you've seen all the Erdinger-sponsored athletes around the is world. Is the factory close to where we stayed? Well, we, we stayed in Erding, and oh, surprisingly, <laughs> Erdinger <laughs> comes from Erding, which is just next to Munich. It was right next to the Munich Was that the airport. first night? Yes. When you and I went for that run and got lost? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we'll go try some of the Erdinger beer on the first night if you come early. <laughs> we went for the run and got lost. And John's going, I think it's that way. I'm going, I'm sure I'm it's pretty that sure way. we've gone. You're going the opposite direction. If we had gone my way, we would still <laughs> be well be lost. Okay, John, what the hell is going? This is a good one. Tell me about it. So I got this flick through to me. Uh, the old stalker spotted this on Slow Twitch on their forum, and somebody posted on there. It is with sad, mostly a mad heart that I post this. Quick backstory: I volunteered at the swim exit bag grab when not competing. Needed to take a wee during the duties. Went to the men's changing tent, still full of athletes. What do we find in the loo? Not one, not two, but three wetsuits in the form of floaty pants. So these sort of the, the boost shorts you get. Was blown away, both in the same loo. How many more did we not see? This is such BS and shameful cheating athletes. Anyone see more? Women's tents? 
there were they were size small and XL no uh, XS no distinguishing marks other than shit and piss <laughs> <laughs> pictures to post as well. They were finished out, fished out by a gloved hand and apparently more were found. I know there is no way of outing these bozos, but if they can know that their actions are as disgusting as the final response of their cheating shame on you whoever you are anyone have a connecting connection with wcc course referee blah 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 Potato. weird did that so the, so the photo was on the final page because I went oh, to the final page yeah I was like well, show us the photo and it was it was just those kind of booster pants that you'd see mm. um, yeah it was bizarre but it's just uh, it's, it's my what the hell is going on is am I just naive to think that there's Oh, John, people I think that cheat to that level, knowing there's cheating and there's knowingly, blatantly cheating. Yeah, there's pushing you know? the edge because you know, like if maybe drafting a little bit too if close. You're sitting yeah. at nine meters as opposed to sitting at ten meters. Yeah, and you go, hey, come on, get yeah. your get your crap sorted out. But actually, knowingly cheating like this, I mean, surely if you get to Kona, and I know there's a lot of athletes there that maybe get in via different systems, whether it be um, <clears throat> the, whatever the lottery or or draws like that, but. Surely you know that you're not allowed that. And if you're actually going to the level of taking them off and throwing them in a so toilet, it depends. I can't see the shit and piss on them anymore. Oh, you know, they, they, <laughs> oh, the, oh no, the shit's gone. Yeah, it's. Uh, I just found that weird. It doesn't make me necessarily angry. I How just much find it would make you, John. Oh, uh, because by the time you got to go to the toilet, mm. disguise the fact you got these on, go mm. to the toilet, take them off, put your shorts on. Look, it might be a couple of seconds, a hundred, something like that, if you're lucky. So, so over, so over a four k swim or just under four k swim, you might mm. get a couple of minutes. Yeah, at most. So then you're going to lose it and t- take them off. Mm. So a, you're an idiot for cheating, and b, you're an idiot because you're not getting any more time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there might be some time gains, and there might also be some energy efficiencies <laughs> there. So it does work, but it's yeah, it's it's not going to be a game change. You know, if you wore a wetsuit in a the swim, then that's do you, think do you think you'd notice as you're walking? Let's say I'm walking in next to you and you're cheating because you're such a <laughs> cheating, you know. Um, but do you think I'd be able to tell you've got funny pants on? I think you'd have to look reasonably closely because you're going to have a, a, a swim skin over the top of that yeah. as well. So, yeah, I think if you looked closely, yeah, you'd be able to see it. But if you were just passing, yeah, I don't, don't think you'd notice. Yeah. Just weird. I'm, I think we are naive. I, I agree. And you in know? terms of the drug taking, I think we're naive yeah, as well. Yeah. But uh, just if, you, if you're cheating, really look in the mirror and think, who are you as a person? <laughs> you know? Because why do you do sport? Do you do sport to just, you know, like you do sport. For me, I do sport because I want to find higher level self. And that means that part of that is sometimes you have crap experiences, but that's where you've got to dig deep and learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. And cheating just, diminishes all that you can get from it so mm. all you're doing is cheating yourself it's just weird you know like all you're doing is ruining what you can get from it and then you've got to become a liar mm. oh, life's too short guys Ta- take the pants off don't poo your pants <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you've got to poo your pants <laughs> <laughs> so it's like oh, let's go to more positive news oh, some people john let's talk positive where we go what are we talking about we are talking about the best best discussion of the week best moments from Kona which was now just over a week ago what were some of your highlights Rory Duckworth who we had on the show uh, finishing and then I did like this one from Rob Harper he said Langer fishing around in the crutch of his tri suit and eventually pulling out a banana (laughs) oh really he didn't actually pull out a banana but he was running along and it was 
he must have been fairly late in the run because uh, because the cameras were on him and they didn't really pick him up until about halfway. But he was making some adjustments. Um, so there was no banana? There was no banana. Because have I told you my banana and uh, tight shorts? Think you have, oh, okay. yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but he was fishing around there. Okay, what, here's, what do do? here's a challenge. Here's a challenge. <laughs> if anyone does this, we should give him an outfit. You've got to do an, a triathlon, mm. do the run. So in transition, put a banana, guys only, or girls as well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do the run, put a banana in there, yeah. and just run. And then at some stage, pull the banana out and eat it. Because <laughs> A, because when I did this, so the story of my banana thing is we did a deer and I had to go to the petrol station in basically so, try shorts yeah um so sucky shorts with a banana in my pants and it looked very much like i was excited to be in that shop yeah. and i had to buy a condom and it was pretty funny <laughs> and, and so and it was pretty pretty clear that what was happening and it, it really the banana really doesn't make you look like you're very excited to be there and yeah. if you get the right size banana it makes you look pretty impressive so i was pretty happy about that so if someone could do a race where they put a banana down their pants and runs and Guy or girl, I don't mind if it's a girl because yeah. that could get people questioning. Mm. And then at some stage, just pull the banana out and eat it. Yeah, well, it's a banana skin. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's well protected. There we go. So that's that's a challenge. If you do it, you I don't know what we'll give you. We but need photographic evidence. Photograph definitely. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yep, definitely. So if you can do that, that is, you'll be I am talking legend status. You would. Okay, so so who else have we got here? Uh, Stuart Moore watching Sanders just never give up. Uh, Ruth. Per, uh, per Brook swimming with the wild dolphins the morning after the race and seeing Lucy Charles smash her debut. That is one of the coolest things about going to Kona. If you get a chance or are not lucky enough to be swimming and the dolphins come around you, when it's, oh. not, it's like when you go out and do your dolphin experience in New Zealand or different parts of the world and you know you're going out to swim with dolphins and it's all arranged and you just follow and chase them down. It's different when you're just swimming around and all of a sudden there's just dolphins turn up. It's pretty awesome. Good old Paul Hurdle. Have you done no. He's got the, ex the extremes of Sanders and Sanders his energy, power, strength, and sheer will to keep fighting against the poetry in motion of Lang's silky smooth run. Lucy Charles animating the female race with the breakthrough of the year as well. A few people said Kefren Izzard and also even Collier, um, both really impressed by Jan Fredino, cheering on and high-fiving age groupers, all class, and Lionel for being Lionel. That's one thing we didn't probably give Fredino enough love for last week was the fact that he's finished the race. It was the fact that he finished the race, but also it sounded like he was um, acting with some dignity out there in terms yeah. of encouraging people. And you saw him cheering on Lionel Sanders and also cheering on Patrick Langer and, and so on. So, yes, he was out there for ages, but he still did a 9.15 or something. Yeah, it, yeah. It was pretty, pretty crazy. There's a really great photo I saw somewhere on the net. And it was kind of the ultimate. It was um, him walking and one of the top females coming through and looking really strong mm. and looking really over the moon as well and it's just kind of like the contrast of sport it was a really mm. great photo Ben uh, Cobra has got Jon Fredino stopping and cheering the leaders oh you've done that one Suzanne Van Zelf uh, every single coffee boat swim when I got oh, my coffee glow boat. stick and when I got my glow stick on the Queen K I squealed a little passing Sean Welsh in the dark no, good old Sean Rory Duckworth's got finishing well, I've done, done that one done yeah. that one you can do Swanee Where's Swanee now? Up here? Swanee now. He's got uh, the, the love boat guy, hasn't he? Kai, Kai McBride, uh, volunteering at Body Marking Station on race morning. The racers were laser-eyed and focused. Very friendly folks who let it or left it all out on the course. Richard Swan's got, I love hearing the commentators refer to the athletes as the Red Bull athletes. Good to see knowledgeable commentators repeating 
repeatedly refer to athletes' individual sponsorship, which is actually important, isn't it? Yeah, you know. Uh, you go Pete, Pete Colson, and I'll go Ben Psala. Okay. Uh, this year was actually a race. Uh, yeah, Charlesy and Brandon drilling the swim. Worth Keenlay and Sanders destroying the bike course. Sanders ugly fast running style. Langer's sheer run speed. Frodo's humility. And best of all, uh, getting genuinely worried that Sanders might kill himself <laughs> trying to stay with Langer. <laughs> Peter, uh, Peter Colson's got Frodo on the bike going through that drink station trying to get a bottle pretty amazing just casually putting out his right arm with an elbow still in the aero position uh, after five to six attempts he gets a bottle looked awesome i'll try to catch screams capture it for us so i didn't actually see that that is pretty challenging to ride along and get a drink bottle while you're still on one aero bar challenging and confident as well yeah well he's a confident character he is he's a confident character now bevan i'm happy for you to overrule this one because i am to this week's uh, discussion because i am Wait, what, was your, what was your highlight oh so i had three um three highlights that i came up with uh reef passing lucy charles on the bike it was just a epic moment where she just blitzed her and i don't think it was that lucy charles had faded um massively she was fading but she hadn't exploded but just the way she passed it and just drilled it and put whatever a minute or two to, into her in the last sort of 10Ks or so was just so impressive. Patrick Langer's running was just beautiful. It's, as, as I said last week, it's uh, he's a, I, in my opinion, he's the most beautiful looking runner that we've seen in triathlon. I don't know. Crowy Crow was pretty beautiful. Yeah, but he was different. Langer just... I haven't seen him, so I can't judge yeah, it. Yeah, he just, just flows. Like Crowy is efficiency personified yeah and cam was like that as well mm. cam was like you know like head movement just mm. everything about him was, it was stillness moving yeah but langer just looks the same all the way through the run just looks fantastic stillness moving man there's a song in that i'm writing that one down <laughs> stillness moving uh now and then uh, my final one was lucy charles and lauren brandon just drilling the last hundred meters of the swim like it was almost an olympic final oh really it was uh, pretty awesome yeah, was it it was just a, who took a it? comical moment uh lucy charles and it's because you've got to get out of the water still too, don't you? You do. Oh. Yeah, and, and they were coming through the men's pack of Lionel Sanders and uh, Keenlay and stuff. So there were people getting in the way and they were jostling and it was uh, it just made the end of the swim a bit more entertaining. Oh, good and, and they were very close to getting a record as well. I like it. I like you. I like, no, go with this week's one. It's good. So this week, how do you deal with cheats? So we've, we've just identified these cheats over in Kona who are wearing uh, shorts blatantly cheating. How do you deal with cheats on a... When you're actually there in the moment, but also maybe on a, on another level, do, do you get angry? Do you feel sorry for them? How do you sort of deal with it? Uh, I guess emotionally as well. When do you forgive a cheat? Hmm. You know, like like, like Lance. Hmm. You know, when does he get forgive forgiven? Okay. Okay. So how do you deal with cheats, and when do you forgive a cheat? Because you, you do have to give people a chance to redeem themselves. Hmm. You know, like it's 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 a tough one, but yeah. Okay. There we go. This a good one, John. Okay. Hit me with some music. Here's Devin. some music. Okay, John. Well, we're going to go look at last year's and this year's Kona results to see what the difference in time between each of the age groups. We're going to go through all of the age we're groups. We're going to go through females this week because we love our females, yes. and we want to. And next week, we'll maybe uh, look at the males. So, the reason why I wanted to look at this year and last year, we saw a record-setting day for our 
um, male winner and um, we saw some other very very fast times especially on the bike you know we saw three or four guys go under the old course record it seemed to me on the surface that the age group race did, was not particularly fast um, and there was only I think yeah. two guys that went sub nine hours so it, it sounded like the wins picked up for the age groupers and because age groupers are racing a different time the pros they don't know what each other's experience like yeah it was a bit windy but how do you actually measure that and and times is one way of doing that so i thought it'd be interesting to have a look a how fast people are this year give them a bit of recognition but also look to the previous year so females 18 to 24 we had frederica di nicola oh she got second last year so well done oh, she, she stepped up 1006 this year what you do last year well, last year's year 1037 and the winner was larissa Rabago, Rabago, oh, and she did uh, 10.29. She was only fifth, fourth or fifth this year. Okay, there you go. It's there interesting they both come back. Uh, come up to the 25 to 29, <laughs> we had Emily Laughlin uh, take it out in nine hours 44. She got third last year, John, so she stepped that up as well. So last year she did 10.06, but the winner last year was... Uh, Sevjan, Sevjan Tholes, maybe, uh, 9.40. Okay, so about the same sort of time. Yep. 30 to 34. We, this year we had Julie Ertmeimer from, uh, doesn't actually have where they're, where they're from. She did 10.08.50, winning by eight minutes. Okay, so last year they were a lot faster. These, uh, Martina Kuntz, that's, that's the name, uh, 9.52. I would expect that's her name if you're, <laughs> <laughs> if you're reading that out. Oh, it just sounds a bit wrong. <laughs> 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 K-U-N-Z, so... Uh, 35 to 39, we had, oh, close racing, only 30 seconds in it. Alison Robert took it out in 9.58, 30-second victory. Well, she got second last year. Who was second? Who was first last year? Ka Katrina Amston nielsen Yeah. Oh, my goodness, the, the role reversal. Yeah, but, and she was 11 minutes ahead last year, so uh, Katrina actually did... Oh, Katrina, isn't it? Um, she did 10 hours. Oh, and they exactly. On the run, she, the, the winner, Alison, ran a 3.13 as opposed to 3.28. Okay, well, last year they both ran 3.21. Oh. It's amazing how much it's similar names, isn't it? It is. Uh, the 40 to 44, we had, when Bevan's internet decides to play game, we had Sion Youngstra uh, take that out in 10.02. Again, another close, only... 14 seconds in it. Wow. And she was fading. She did ran a 3.34 and Amy Farrell was coming up and she ran a 3.25. But oh, that would rip your undies and Kona to only be 14 seconds off the one. Mm. Do you think she knew as well? Because when you get this age group racing, it's not necessarily clear. You might have friends and spotters out there, but often you don't. Because how many mm -hmm. people actually take friends and family to the race? Mm -hmm. You know, you might have one person, but they might not be at the right place at the right time. So uh, Rosie Magicho, Magici? Uh, she did 10.19 last year, so it's far, it seems to be a little bit faster this year, doesn't it? Yep. yep. Uh, 45 to 49. Michaela Rudolph was in 10.17, a two-minute victory over Jan, Jan Hansen. Oh, Jan Hansen got first last year, so she did 10.20 last year. So similar times there. Yep. Uh, 50 to 54. Diana Hassel was 11.01.51. So last year was quite a bit faster. It was 10.47. And is Elizabeth Kenyon? She was second this year. Oh, there you go. So there you go. Yeah, this is, you know, we are finding the same sort of people going back each year. Yeah. 55.59. Carmen Gross was 10.48. Dojo domination in a big way. 32-minute victory. 10.48. Wow. Yeah. Well, Jenny... 
Alcon. She was second last year. Okay, well, she did 11-18. So she pretty much did the same time, didn't she? She did 11-20 last year, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, well, this year. This yeah, year, this yeah, year. Yeah, yep. God. Uh, and then the Jenny Alcorn, she, I'm sure she used to be a, a pro athlete. Okay. In the day, so what are they, 55, 59, I'm sure she was. 60 to 64, Nancy Cullen was, uh, oh, just Mr. Dojo domination, 11.56 for a 19-minute uh, victory over Laura Sophia. Well, um, Gabrielle Saletti, she did 11.57, so pretty much the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. If, took a couple of age groups to go, the... 65 to 69, Missy Lestrange, she's been around for ages. That is a crushing victory. Uh, one hour and 15 minutes. And what time did she do? 12.32. Oh, she crushed it because last year they did 14.40 by Cullen Goodyear. So that's massive. 12, uh, what? 12, what? 12.32. In, in the 65 to 69 category? Yeah. Wow. Uh, that is phenomenal. That Cullen Goodyear was down in fifth place this year. But it was faded about 15 hours, 33. So how many 65, 69s? We had 14 finishes in the 65, 69 females. We must have had something in the 70, 74. There's an age group there. We had six finishes, uh, seven, eight starters. First was Linda Ashmore. She got second last year. 1342. And uh, Natalie uh, Gabb. Bo, Grabo, she did 14.19 last year, and there was only five entries and four finished last year. She's 15.06 this year for third. And then that's it for the females. So oldest females are in that 70 to 74 age group. We'll have a look at Well, the we had one last week. year, um, but she got a DQ'd because she did 17.07. Right. And that was Peggy McDowell Kramer. And uh, she did finish just outside of the time. So she got first in the category, but she was the only person in the category. Quite a mixed bag there in terms mm. of um, faster or slower. It did seem across the board from... Slightly faster. Slightly, well, I, this, the guys' side of things seemed slightly slower than usual. Yep. But we'll have a look at the guys next week. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Well like, done, all you age group winners. Oh, well awesome. done. Congratulations. What a massive achievement. Mm. You know, to win your age group in Kona is a big deal. Absolutely. You know, big, big deal. big deal. Okay, John, let's get an interview. We've got legendary athlete Dirk Bockel on the show. Here we go. Okay, guys, we're still doing some post-Kona analysis. Um, you know, it's been a, a good week now, but we always look at, at the race through the eyes of uh, age groupers or coaches or just general spectators, but it's it's good to get some input from somebody who has been in the thick of it. Uh, today we've got Dirk Bockel on. He's had multiple top 10s in Kona. He's had one of the fastest times ever over the iron distance with a 7.52 and uh, also race ITU level as well with the Olympics. So uh, And now is sort of past the twilight of his career and he's um, got a book out we'll talk about but also really keen to get some some insight into what it's really like at Kona so welcome back to the show Dirk. Thank you very much I'm very happy to be back on the show even though I'm retired and I'm an old boring guy now. Oh well there's, there's life is in front of you but um, I'm sure you were sitting there watching uh, watching Kona last last weekend um, were you over there or what, were you, what how did you watch it? Actually, I, I was planning to go over there because uh, I was right in the middle of my book launch and I thought, man, it would be nice to be there, not just for the book, but just to be there and then soak it all up because I've seen it only once without racing. And um, so at the end, I decided against it and I stayed at home, which was, yeah, you know, good and bad because, you know, Hawaii is, is stressful. 
it's 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 cool to be there. It's great to catch up with all your triathlon family, friends, and everyone. And but on the other side, it's very hectic. Traffic is crazy. Everybody's tense, and there's there's a it's a funny energy at times, you know. So it's 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 good and bad. And actually, the race coverage is probably better from at home because this time we had a Red Bull that that made the coverage. And, you know, it was the first time, so there were a couple of hiccups, but I, I still think you can check online, and if you follow the right people, you get a lot of tweets, and you know what's going on, and so I think I was pretty much kind of there. <laughs> Excellent. What, you, you talked there about the pressure in race week. Um, how bad is it for the pros? You know, you were a guy that's had a fourth place there, you've had a number of top tens, Um are the other athletes really under pressure, similar to, you know, maybe not quite the same level to the Olympics, but is it, is it really full on compared to say a you know a world championship ITU race? And and what's the dynamic between the pro athletes? You know, are they really is there, is there lots of uh, war out there and lots of enemies, or or do most of them get along pretty well? Well. Um... Well, first of all, let's go to the first part of your question. So the comparison between Ironman, Hawaii, and uh, Olympics. Honestly, at the Olympics, there was no stress. It was just, there was no media attention for me personally. There, 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 there was no, no no stress with, with appointments running to your bike sponsor, the clothing sponsor, then the helmet sponsor, then the watch sponsor, then, you know, all those little things. So, so it was just because it was the Olympics and you're able to talk to every single one and you, you see the, the big guys of the show from every kind of sport. So it was a different vibe. But Hawaii, is it's not just about the race. I mean, the last week is brutal. I mean, there's appointments like between three and five appointments, probably depending on your, you know, how many obligations you have, how many sponsors you have. But Hawaii is a very, very busy time. And I... I used to go there three weeks in advance because that's the best thing you can do um, in terms of you know heat adaptation and everything. And I usually came from Boulder, so I needed those three weeks in the heat, and I wanted to get this long travel out of my body before. And so the first two weeks was kind of cool because you know all, all the big boys meeting up, we're going to bike rides, we're doing training sessions together, and once you have your little secret training, you know your your, your little bricks and when you hit target times and stuff you do that by yourself but the cool nice long open swims and all this stuff you, you do together and it's a nice community but the closer you get to the race man <laughs> everybody turns into a beast and uh it has nothing to do with friendship it's just you have a job to do and you know you got to secure some making for the next year and then all your appointments come in and it's very it's really draining so you have to find a good balance between training obligations and the most important thing in the last 10 days is to to rest up and deal with the climatic situation and all that stuff so it's intense you know and, and inside the race you know the swim you'll be used to doing itu races um for for the good swimmers um which you you were one of them what um What's it like in that first 400 meters? Is it um, balls to the wall, or is it um, you know it's hard, but it's sort of hard but controlled? Yeah. Well, um, this year, Joe, uh, you know, M. Emberger, he he showed us a little bit more um, what you could do if you really want to get away. So he did an excellent start, but he's he paid for it, and um, so you can also see how important tactics are 
early on. And coming from ITU racing, I, I really think it is very intense. Uh, you know, the lead up and the, everything, which is not in ITU, but in ITU, the swim start, that's way more brutal. Hawaii, I mean, you got 50 guys and it's a start line of, I don't know, maybe 100 meters, maybe even more. So it depends where you want to be. You want to be close to the pier. You want to be in the outside where the swell might catch you. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's also, honestly, it's a long straight. I mean, it's nearly 2,000 meters straight, you know, so it's not that important where you start. And uh, it's better to have clear water. And, um, yeah, I, I used my, my strength, which was to swim. I wanted to be in the front pack, and I had a few top five out of the water so we, we which we chose you have to be a good swimmer to do that but um you can do a lot of changes along the way so the i never went super super hard unless i see a group going and you know there's marco allard from estonia here's rasmus and you know you you glimpse over and you catch the train then you you just have to shift gears in the middle of your sprint you know and when it comes to the bike, um, it looks like it's pretty phonetic. I mean, even for the age group race, I know when I've been over there, um, you know, you, it's it's really hard to stay a below what you want to be putting out from a power perspective. Um, and we see the footage; it wasn't quite so good this year, I thought, but it just looks pretty pretty nuts. And we've heard from other pros that it can get pretty heated uh, in that circuit around town. So, you know, how hard did you find that section of the race? And um, and then when you're on the Queen K and that pace line, how difficult is it not to draft and, and how variable is it? I think it's really important when you go, when, when you start on the bike, it's absolutely vital that you have to, you know, first you have to see where you are. Did you have a good swim? Then, you know, you might be able to, you know, transition is a little bit slower. Then you can gauge a little bit through the first, like, 10, 15 kilometers through town. But this is where a lot of people stepped brutally on the gas. And you know what happens. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's 100, 108 pace on the bike. So if you overpace the first 10K just to make a certain group before you hit the highway... Um, you know, sooner or later, you're going to pay for that. And so I, I, I always remember that the first part was just very, very intense. And it's all about positioning because, you know, imagine you, you come out. I mean, I had the luxury to, to be out of the water really in the very front, uh, except that one year when I broke my hand and then the train was gone anyways. So, um, but then uh, once you are in the group, that that's okay. But imagine you're, you're one of the guys let's say coming out of the water in 20th, 15th place, and you want to make sure you, you stay on the train because the train leaves on the, you know, on the top of Palani Road and there's not much uh, uh, changing you can do because if you pass one, you know, the rule says you have to pass till you have a gap that is significantly bigger than uh, the allowed distance between the athletes. So that means I, I, there were years I couldn't pass till all the way out till we started climbing Javi. And so there, there's eight stations when you sneak in a little pass or you, you know, you can, you can trick it a little bit because I mean, also they know the first 500 meters, you can pass people. It's not so clear with the distance. And back in the days, the motorcycles were just lined up at Palani road and that's where they started checking. But then obviously the referees kept looking and, and, and it, it was very difficult to, to find a, a proper gap just one person so if you pass three people 
man, you, you, you got to crank up some wattage there to, to pass them. You know, you have your time limit of 25 seconds to pass. And so for me, that was always a very, very stressful time because I wanted to be in the top eight kind of to be on Palani Road on the top. But then you have some crazy people that just hammer up Palani and suddenly you're 25th again. You're like, guys, I, I mean, you know what's going to happen. But, well, well, there you are, Mr. Buckle, number 30 in the train all the way to Javi and then you don't you cannot react if if there's a keenless stepping on the gas in front or somebody else you know so you always have to make sure you you stay in contention you see yeah it's 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 I mean this is the most stressful and uh, I mean I was commenting I did some Facebook lives uh, in, in the middle of the race and you know it's, it's always the same it's it's the last man standing you know after the bike who can st- will win and so you start with the 35 people after the swim you're out at the hotel you're still 33 <laughs> you start climbing Javi you know you, you may be okay 32 then you're 28 then you're 25 on the top you're only 15 then you turn around and then it's the funny part everybody thinks it's a 16k downhill and it's windy and it's dangerous but you know how hard it is 70ks an hour down downhill you cannot eat you cannot drink because it's so windy and you, you try to keep at least 300 watts that's that's tough that's really tough and then you max out on cadence you know 55 11 and and you you're pushing close to to 115 rounds per minute and then that that also pays into into the game later on on the marathon so it, it's, it's it's very sketchy and usually then you know the way back uh, people fall apart and then you know you got the small groups and in terms of the run, I think probably for the outsider, the, the probably the one thing that people don't understand for you pros um, at the front of the race is it's, I'd, I'd imagine it's pretty unglamorous out there. Once you're off um, Ali'i Drive and up Palani, um, for the age groupers when they're out there, you know, there's quite quite a few people running, so you've got some company. But for you guys, it's just um, you're the only people out there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not too exciting. But uh, I mean, on the way out... You know, everybody's still motivated. Everybody's still on fire. Everybody's overpacing. And, you know, if you want to do an average of 300 watts, you probably start with a 330 just to stay in the group. And that's that's exactly why it's called last man standing because people, you know, just dropping off the back of the train more and more. And, and uh, yeah, on the way back, it gets a little bit more sketchy because that's when fatigue starts creeping in. You see the first mistakes with nutrition that make a difference with people. Then you have mechanicals. And by that time, you know, out of those 20 top favorites, you know, you know already, okay, here, here are the 15, here are the 10 people that are going to make the show today. And then you start selecting, like, like this year, we looked at Cameron Wolf, and um, we knew he's a monster on the bike. And man, really heads up to him what he did. But we also knew, well, he's not going to survive the run in the front pack. So, you know, then you start kind of like playing the little games and who could come in and then you start calculating differences to the top runners. Where, where's, where's Hoffman? Where's, you know, Andy Potts who, who saves all his energy on the swim this year? So it, it was a little bit um, interesting, but then we knew from the beginning Patrick Lange was there in, in the front pack on the swim. So holy shit, how much work did he put in the swim and the bike this year? And, you know, you, 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 you don't lose your uh, running capabilities. And um, 
yeah, I think he was a threat early on when when he was close to everybody. Mm. So, so um, talking about the maybe the women's race um, a bit more. Look, um, you've probably Daniela Reef was probably around on the ITU circuit, maybe a little bit um, towards the end of your career. Maybe that was a little bit too early. But can you see anybody getting close to her anytime soon? Because um, she's a bit like Chrissy. She's just even on a ba- on on an average day, she's still just so much better than everyone yeah she's such a talent i mean i mean i honestly i think she hopefully she's not beating herself like beating down her body with all this amount of training and the amount of crazy racing that she's doing but obviously it works so obviously she knows and and uh, i mean just look at her results i mean there's nothing anybody should be saying because success proves every critic and i mean they have a winning, winning, winning team, and that implies the couch. That implies her. That implies the material. So, um, who's gonna come close? Um, we saw this year a couple of uh, interesting um, other girls that, that that came up, and there was Lucy on the way, and then we had a bunch of other people that that surprised me. And Sarah Crawley was on her wheel the whole time. Then I was hoping Heather Jackson might might run him down on. You know, but but also a couple of surprises. I mean, Rachel Choice. I mean, I know she came back from her baby break, but she. I thought she was a little bit far back. But you know, Hawaii is just always at the end of the year, and you really have to pick your battle. It's it's such a. Yeah, how should I say that? It's 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 a mix between a risk and calculated risk, and um, you can race all year and be at your top game and in Hawaii you're just simply tired because it's already October and you have so much training, so much racing in your legs and, you know, everybody makes their own decision but, you know, you, you, you got to make sure you, you earn your money, you, you satisfy your sponsors, also also your federation possibly. There's still some nations that support the long distance athletes and, you know, I, I, I think maybe Annabelle Laxford has a chance to be to be up there. I mean, she's such an amazing racer also coming from itu but she's been racing for so long so the question how how hungry is she still so that's that's for me always the question you know and new girls coming up like maya nielsen from denmark she was 12 i mean amazing you know for for your first time going to hawaii i mean you know there, there are a couple of girls that could make the step but right now there's such a difference i mean the you know, she she's so far ahead the game right now. And and in terms of the men's race, you know, you, you obviously watch it unfold as best you can on on TV. Well, you mean who's close to Patrick? Well, you know, when you when you saw when you saw them all coming off the bike, um, who did you who did you have your money on? Well, it, it you know, with Lionel and Sanders, it's 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 a funny game. I mean, he I talked about him quite a bit because I mean. In my opinion, he knows he got his second chance. You know the drugs and all this shit before. Uh, I mean, not talking sport drugs. He, he was just uh, in the, on the wrong path, you know. And so he got his he got his head straight. But he he has such a strong will. I mean, I I don't know another athlete. I think he has the biggest motor from everybody out there, you know. But it's not pretty. <laughs> I mean, it looked like a deer that was shot in the leg and. You know, I mean, I mean, no disrespect at all. You know, we all don't look pretty at the end, but he had this little limp and stuff. And so I, I thought maybe, maybe he's gonna cramp or something. Nobody knew, and I mean, I mean, but I mean, look at his results. He proved so much, 
and also his training methods. And I like the way he did his videos and stuff. And he's, he becomes one of the most interesting personalities out there. And that, that's what I like. It's not just about racing. It's not just about your, you know, your results you put out or who has the coolest sponsor. or This is a Red Bull. This is a Mercedes sponsored guy. You know, this is prestige. But, you know, you, you, you got to be a little bit different than, than, than other people. I mean, Frodeno, he has the whole package. He's like the perfect guy. He looks perfect. He speaks all the languages perfect. He's, he's such an idol of, of racing at the moment. But then you got this character of, of Sanders coming in. And, you know, it's pure force. It's just a pit bull. You know, that, that would be a perfect nickname for him. And, you know, then, then you see kind of like people like, like David McNamee who are, who are not that well known but just simply perform and stay in the back and they're quiet. So you have all these different characters and I, I, I just really love that. And James Kanama had an awesome race. Of course, Terenzo is probably his best race ever in Hawaii, you know. Um, yeah, so it, it was quite interesting. We have a couple of disappointments, of course, but, you know, that, that's like every, every year, you know, that's just how it is. But, but coming off, back to that question, coming off the bike, who, who did you have your money on? I mean, <laughs> I try to avoid that question a little bit because I, I, I was going for Sebastian. I mean, he has clearly, <laughs> he had the experience. Um, sure, Frodo was there, but there was a little bit of a difference. So it was a, a mental uh, a game between uh, the two, you know, and this time there was finally a distance between the two and he proved so many times how good he can run. And I thought maybe he can have the edge you know, I sure I thought about the other guys as well. I mean, Patrick Lange, you knew at the beginning that that he has to be in the in the mix. You know, I thought about Andy Potts at the beginning because I didn't see him on the bike too often. But you know, a super swimmer who saves all his energy, all his competitive advantage, you knew he he was in for a good run, but he didn't produce it. You know, I expected more from Ben Hoffman. But uh, Keenle was my top favorite and Sanders was a, was a question mark to me. I thought he was racing a little bit too much, you know, IT Worlds and all this stuff in, in front. So it's, uh, I wasn't sure. I was, I was thinking he's going to bonk, to be quite honest. But he didn't. I mean, he, he was he's just such a fighter. Now, what, what happens now? You know, obviously, um, Reef and uh, Langer, they'll be going off and doing, you know, loads of media work, loads of TV work. Um, what about for you know for guys like yourself? You finish fourth there or seventh or tenth. Um, it, is it a bit of a come down for you guys, or then do you just get back out there and racing, or do you have many commitments for for the people that aren't on the podium? Yeah, it's it really depends. It, it kind of depends how many points you have for Hawaii. It all depends after your uh, race. So if you have a top three. It's all about media because you know you have enough points. And no matter what you do, you can walk an Ironman and you qualify. So back in the days uh, when you had a top 10, you knew you were safe for next year. You don't even have to race an Ironman. So you can, first of all, you go to holidays. <laughs> you live it up because you sacrificed the whole freaking year for the race. You have a little bit of a party. You go back to training, but you know you can race some some other races. Let's let's talk about ITU World or, or Challenge Roth or something to maybe earn some money and then just focus exclusively on Hawaii in the second part of the season. But if you if you're not up there, like if you're not in the top ten, your point system is the problem. You know that means you have to race, and a lot of people prepared like hell for that race, and then they come up with a twentieth place. That means the points it's ridiculous. So. 
And it's a smart business move, obviously, from Ironman, because you have to race again. So my personal opinion is always, if you train so much for Hawaii, and even if your race didn't work out, you have it, you have that, that capability in your body. So I, I would say, if you're mentally capable of doing that, switch off for two weeks, go back into easy training, and then knock out one of those Ironman at the end of the year, simply because you have the form. Because if you do a new build-up for an Ironman, I mean, if you want to do it proper, if you want to go for the top three, I mean, you dedicate three or four months of proper work if you want to win a race, right? So for me, it was always this gamble. Always, are you qualified? How many points do you have? And from there on, you make a new plan. But, you know, I'm not going to lie. After that super stressful week in Hawaii and, and even the travel afterwards and, and oh, God, it, it's just very stressful. And... Uh, The question is if you're able to have the mental capacity to do it all over again. Because, I mean, I, I was a mess afterwards. I, I was not only physically, but I was mentally so broken afterwards, you know. Mm. So, um, last time we spoke to you, you were sort of um, wondering where life was going to take you. You were talking about your book. Um, what, what's, what's life entail for, for Dirk Bockel now that you're not a pro, pro triathlete? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we just talked about that on the TV show because it's it's funny because uh, our system that we have in Luxembourg uh, it's it's great for athletes and and I, I had an exceptional status there because I was good on ITU and I maintained my funding through Ironman racing, which is pretty much unique in the world. But then you know once your career is over, you're just done, you know, and nobody really gives a shit. And that's that's the dirty truth. And, uh, you know, we, we know from lots of athletes around the world, different sports and areas, you know, let it be BMX games, let it be, uh, you know, uh, track cycling. You, you hear about a lot of uh, crazy stuff that's happening to athletes afterwards. And I can now really understand why these things happen. So now it's the question, uh, am I going to bitch about the situation? No, I'm not. I mean, I'm... I'm smart enough. I don't need a job. I don't want to sit in the bank. And, and you know, Luxembourg, it's like 93% GDP. It's all banking stuff. So I, I, don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sit in a cubicle. Definitely not. But at least give me an option, guys, you know. And so I'm, I'm in the process right now to figure out what's next. Um, there, there's no system in place for athletes that retire. So I, I'm proactively trying to create something right now. And that's not paid. It's just for the heck of the, the next person who's going through that. Because I have my plans, I have little projects that I'm doing, I'm very entrepreneurial, um, you know, I, I brought the book out, a book package of five different books, you know, and create a platform and then doing my own marketing and own self-publishing, so that's, so I'm, I'm quite busy, but um, obviously it's not paying the bills, right, <laughs> but I'm busy as hell and I'm still training. Um, I'm not really sure what the future will bring to to really pin pound, pin pin down your question. Uh, I'm looking at different options. Um, uh, I don't want to be the the next athlete in in row who's doing coaching. I've been doing that for the last five years, and I have successful athletes. But it's that's why I wrote the book because I think there's, there's so much. It's very clear. It's about if you want to imply those things, then it's up to you. But here's the knowledge, and I put it all in the book. And you know, I, I'm, 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 not, I'm really not sure. I'm, I'm also a little bit undecided. I mean, I have government support of, of not having a job right now, and that goes for 12 months. And right now, I'm there for, for six months, which is nice. Get a little bit of money, and um, trying to figure stuff out. And 
now it's getting cold here in Europe, you know, I used to travel and chase the sun and now I'm sitting here and it's getting colder and, and darker and rainier, so uh, decision time is coming up. <laughs> so tell us about the, the art of triathlon training, you know, there's lots of <clears throat> triathlon books out there, so what was the motivation to, to do this book and how were you trying to make it different to other triathlon books? That, that's a great question because that was my absolute intention to make it different. I'm, I'm not writing, hey, my name is Dirk and I can win races and let me tell you how I did that and how cool I am. No, I mean, who wants to hear that? Maybe, maybe, maybe five or six guys, right? So I, I did a total different approach and I, I wrote for, for the amateur athlete, which is, you know, probably 99% of, of, of every single athlete who's out there. And um, I wanted to write as a guide. What did I learn from triathlon? And I put it all in there. But it's, it's two kind of target groups that I, that I speak to. It's also the person who wants to do triathlon and like, man, where should I start? And so the book is kind of, first it tells a little bit about what is triathlon. And then from the decision of doing triathlon, it's the same. If you begin or if you plan your new season, there's the strategy. Do you live in New York and it's cold? Why in the hell would you race in, in, in March in Mexico when it's hot and humid? You know, that's where it all starts. Like put into consideration where you live. What is your capability? What's your family status? Like, can you travel? What's your time limitation? Like, be dead honest, write it down. And I created a system for people from, from the planning to what kind of gear to where could you race? And then, you know, it goes all into the training, obviously it goes in pre-race uh, atmosphere. It goes into the race analysis afterwards. And then even it doesn't matter if you're a bucket list guy, because we have a high percentage of bucket list guys that come in this sport that's basically, that's 40%. They come in and say, I want to do an Ironman. I train for six months, I check it off, and I move on with my life. Okay, well, here's the thing. You check it off, and we all know what the Ironman blues is, right? And the Ironman blues is nothing else for a first-timer or for a person that studied for five years and get a PhD, and then you're done. Or it's for a guy that races 30 years around the globe, and then your career is done. So this is when I got into the the mindfulness towards the end a little bit where you talk about, okay, what did you learn actually out of the sport? Like it makes you a better person simply because you, you manage to be a champion in sport and it doesn't mean a winner necessarily. A champion means overcoming your own obstacles, achieving your own goals. But a champion in sport, you can be a champion in life because you apply the same system you did for the sport you can apply to life. And so, so I bridged that connection a little bit more in detail and, yeah, it gets very, it gets a little bit under the skin, you know, it gets a little bit in the mindfulness and, and you know, about the food choices, you, the, 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 the physical stuff, you know, that you um, became more body aware, you're more aware of yourself and living in the now and all those kind of things. And it's, it's I think it's, it's really cool. And I got only positive feedback back in the last few weeks after the launch and yeah I'm pretty excited I'm proud of it as well I think probably one of the things that I sort of noticed with the with it is there's a lot of sort of tips in there you know you have some books which are maybe like your training bible type thing which is just training sessions and how to prepare and and quite you know textbook in nature whereas your one was a bit bit of a in between where you had lots of tips on things that you'd learnt and and just a lot of practical applications in terms of you know as you said being prepared on race day and going through checklists etc yeah it's, it's um 
it's definitely a little bit of a mix. I, I didn't want to ra- uh, write a training book itself. You know, triathlon is so much more than training. But it's also not just a theory. But you do need to know when you buy a bike, you know, simply starting with that. As a beginner, it's pretty simple. You start simple and then move your way up unless you're from Luxembourg and have a rich family background and, and they just buy you like three bikes. Okay. And that, that happens with a lot of uh, amateur athletes here. Um, but there's a one bike strategy. There's a two bike strategy where you change either, you know, you have a complete setup for a race bike. Or you have the same frame, basically, just downgraded. And then uh, you, you can use that one for, for training. And, uh, you know, there's so many details in it. And it's, triathlon is so complex. It's not just three disciplines. And it's not just training or preparing mentally. Uh, there's so, so many tricks. And, well, that's why it turned out to be like 342 pages. Cause it's, and uh, then at the end, I thought, man... There's so much more. And what about injuries? And I mean, I, I target injury, for instance, but I, I wrote a whole book about injury. And so we come up with this whole package of, of five books and, you know, go a little bit deeper into the whole injury topic or another topic is the coaching topic. We have a lot of coaches in the sport and uh, a lot of great coaches and a lot of not so good coaches. And um, a lot of people just come in and... and, and you know, want to want to make a quick dime basically out of the sport because it's it's a very innovative industry and you know talking about gadgets that's that's part of the book. Like, what what do you really need like in order to pace yourself or do you really need all these fancy things that every year in Kona Expo you see like thirty thousand new articles? I mean, sure, there's an industry and it's great for the sport, but you know, for the people that are on a budget, you got to also figure out really down to the bone what do you need in order to get better and so i try to target everything a little bit and then at the end now i'm sitting here with five books and that's <laughs> that's very complex obviously so um if anybody wants to get a copy of the book uh, is it in an ebook format is it hard copy tell us a bit about where people can get um not only um your you know the new book the art of triathlon training but any any of your other products as well yeah, so The Art of Triathlon Training is the main book, and that book uh, is available also on Amazon and Kindle, but the whole five-book package, including audios, guided meditation, videos, and everything, that's exclusively on my webpage, which is called liveandlettry.com, and that's where you can get it as, as ebooks. Um, now I just figured out a way how I can order a crap lot of books and my whole uh, <laughs> flat looks like a bookstore now because I have a bunch of books here and I'm starting writing individual me- messages in the books and I'm sending them out. So if you could just go on Facebook and you look at my athlete page, Dirk Bockel, you you see a bunch of links and you can order your book. Uh, just pay simple by PayPal and I can ship it out. So we have a PayPal for, for Europe. We have a PayPal for, for America and... Uh, yeah, so plenty of options, ebook version, Kindle version, or the paperback, as you prefer. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thanks very much for your time, Dirk, and good luck with uh, the next part of your career, and maybe we'll either bump into you in, uh, in Rote or in um, Hawaii next year. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. I love the triathlon world, and I won't hide. <laughs> I still want to be a part of it. So thank you very much. As, as you see, I didn't do the interview. John, any, any thoughts? 
No, apologies. There was a bit of a um, little bit of a delay there with some of the um, questions Audio. and answers. Uh, so, but yeah, Dirk's got some really good insight there. The book I've had a scan through. It looks really good. Just lots of personal anecdotes of um, of you know things that he learned along the way. So uh, good read. So check it out on his website. Okay, website of the week. And good old Michael Cloak sent through a couple. Got no links. Well, Finn sent through one as well. Yep. Is it the Mighty Finn? No, it's not the Mighty Finn. Oh. Uh, you carry on with Michael's one about that story, and I'll find Finn's nickname. I forgot. So he sent through a clip just saying, um, what is it going to be pulled up here? It says, just wanted to put a word in for the film 100 Meters, a true story about Raymond Arjo. Ario, Ario, a Spanish dude. Okay. Yep. a man who competed Ironman Barcelona after contracting multiple sclerosis. A really worthwhile watch and a rather emotional one. And and I actually then went on the internet and found the <clears throat> the trailer for it, and it looks like a really cool feel good movie. Now it's Spanish, so it's it's subtitle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but then I went on IMDb. Now I have a policy with movies, John. I know I should probably <laughs> open up my movie policy, but. I don't get to watch many movies, so I like, and I do like watching movies. So I have a it needs to be above seven on IMDb if I'm going to spend time watching a movie. Right, you know that's, that's you know unless I've heard really good things and uh, it's a below, but pretty much I'm going to go on IMDb. Is it above seven? Well, yeah. seven point five. Very so it's based on a credible, credible true story story of a Spanish man with multiple sclerosis who tried to finish Iron Man. Uh, and then was told that he couldn't make 100 meters. So he basically had a crash or something, oh. and he basically couldn't do anything. And they said, "You can't even do 100 meters, mate." Yes, yes, this was from his multiple sclerosis. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then, if you go on the the user reviews, pretty much everyone's saying this is, and it's a pity it hasn't been seen more and all the rest. Yeah. So it came out last year. And it was actually, I think it was actually, it was a challenge race. It was Challenge Barcelona, not necessarily Ironman. It was okay. Iron Distance. Yeah. And. Um, but it was a cool picture, cool little clip of his, uh, his his wife and his two kids running along when he's on the run, and they're just saying the stuff in Spanish like "You're a champion, Daddy!" Go, go, go! Yeah, it's, um, it's pretty cool. So I mean, I as like Bevan, I haven't seen the full thing, but I watched the. Well, here's a, here's a, here's a review. So someone's got um, top of the line movie needs more attention. This is one of the best movies I've seen. I will buy the DVD for my collection, even with subtitles. It was great. I would give it a ten star even with the f words so i'm glad that i do not read any critical reviews ahead of time that might have discouraged me from watching this on netflix so if maybe it's on netflix okay so if you've got netflix wherever you are in the world you might find a hollywood would have spoiled the story the spanish producer was great and in the title it says this is more as a comedy but i did not see it as thus it is a dramatic but uh not depressing drama you instinctively get to know uh, the ins and outs of this amazing story as it goes throughout the movie so yep check it out one other link we'll have on our website this week is uh, just a youtube clip of the sub two hour run uh, i watched this on the did you watch it did you watch it did you yeah so was, there was national geographic did it yeah no, yeah it was, it was a, so how they how they present it um well as as you'd kind of expect they've got the three guys um going for sub two hours and sort of just a little bit about them and about their journey. I know, I mean, I know nothing about any of the runners. So those no. three guys, I knew they were obviously fast, but I didn't really know their backgrounds and and how quick, quite how, how quick they were. Especially the guy who was the Kitcher? the second runner. Okay, he is just a speed demon. Man. But was he the guy who was the half marathon guy who yes. hadn't done that many falls? Yeah, yeah, he is fast. And then the, then the other fella who was a young fella. So it just kind of follows just a little bit about where they're from, a little bit of the technology they use. It's not too hardcore. It is pitched. At every every man yeah. sort of and while they're showing it, they're showing the races that's happening. Is it? Uh, no, the race is, is sort of is at the at the end. So it's oh, not, okay. not an 
afterthought, but it's um, it's the build up to the race, the testing they did, the technology they did, um, the fact that they were worried about some athletes and happy with other athletes, and I don't and, and just whether they thought it was actually going to be possible. So it's did, just, and, and did they? Did they think it was going to be possible? Not quite. No, they they actually. I think most people agree that they went better than they actually thought they were going to go. Oh, really? Mm. So it's worth watching. What was Did the time he came in on the end? It's two o two, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. He was impressive. Yeah. Did you? Because you didn't watch it live, did you? I watched the, just the last bit. Yeah, so I watched I it live. I watched the whole thing. I, I wonder if. So was it a lot of the clips that they were showing throughout? Uh, no, they really. So it's memory, the same it was thing. a little while ago they watched it. It was they kept the race till the end. So it was the, the build meet the athletes, sort of the build up, some of the training they did and some of the technology they used, and then the end was sort of tracking tracking it through the race. Uh, and I from memory it was only about sort of thirty minutes, but just something good to watch on the trainer. You know? mm. Oh I'll put that in the link for the show notes because I watched I, I really loved watching it. I thought it was quite exciting to watch it and you know, because it wasn't really until like the last ten minutes where you thought they weren't mm. going to get there. Like he was, he was on par right to the end, and it, it got close enough where you thought Shit, he could do this. And and the way that marathons are often won is quite a surge in pace towards the end. Yeah, but obviously, and he had a kick. If you look at his historical results, he was quite a strong kicker at the finish. Now, obviously, to get to that point to get close, it pull him up, but mm. he was an impressive, man. Yeah, imagine going that fast. Mm. Mm. Sponsor. Sponsor. You can probably go that fast as well if you get yourself some extreme endurance. Well, I need to, John, because I've had two crap runs. I did a, on Sunday morning, John, I did a 5K time trial. And when I did my last one, I did 17 or 9, and I did it. Surprisingly, I didn't do any running leading up to it. So mm-hmm. I, was, I was thinking, well, I should be aiming for at least under 17. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I'd start off at 320s and, and just see if I can go. First K, I think it was kind of just a slight down, not major down, but you know, yeah. it would have evened out over the 5K. So I did my first K, 320. I was working pretty hard, but it was like, yeah, I can do this. Second K, <laughs> close to 340. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think I came in on 1730 in the end. I was pretty disappointed. It, as you do find with running, it just, if, you, if you're following a consistent periodized build up, it often just clicks. At one stage, you know, you're going along and you're going, this is impossible. This, I've got no chance, yep. especially if you're doing a marathon sort of build up or half marathon. Which I am. As, as long as you're doing the work, it'll click at some stage. And yeah. Oh, and to be honest, it has been. I've been running really well. Like, I'm mm. really stoked to have my running. I had a crap run this morning, but in the last eight weeks, I've pretty much hit the objective of every session, except for that one. And this morning, I was pretty miserable. But I definitely think extreme endurance might help me in this last bit. So, guys, if you want to get that little extra boost, you know, Bevan's a few weeks out. So, you can get you some extreme endurance bring along next week for you, Bevan, and uh, get on it. It will give you that nice little extra boost you need in the, the final leg of your training if you've got a race coming up or if you just want your regular boost all the way through the season so you have reduced muscle pain. Get yourself extreme endurance. Use the promo code IMTalk20 and you get yourself a 20% discount. And, and anecdotal evidence, John just goes, when he was saying to me, I'll, I'll bring some around because you know you want it for your racing. He goes, it really does work. Oh. <laughs> like it was, I, I still recall the first time I used it was an ITU race in Auckland and probably the best run I've ever had uh, that I can recall in a triathlon. And just, you know, it's almost like your legs can't keep up. So it was, uh, it was well, a really well, nice I boost. definitely want that on race day. There you go. Yeah, I'll, I'll get a percentage of your winnings. Yeah, well, I don't think I'll make any money, but you can have, definitely, I'll give you 100% of my winnings. <laughs> there we go. You get 100. Because I looked at the results from the last few years, 
And if no rock star turns up, I could probably win my because I'm up, I've aged up. I'm in forties now. Right. Yeah. yeah. So in the last few years, one time a guy did one eighteen. There's no way I'm going to do one eighteen there because mm. it's it's a bit of a slow course. But the other other couple of times it's about one twenty four. So I should I'm, I'm only do around one twenty ish, maybe one twenty two, depending on terrain and weather, because you get the winds pretty bad Head there. Headwind all the way yeah. potentially there. So um, but I need to do under one twenty five. So as long as I hit my kind of goal, there's a chance I could do well in my age group. So yep, you can definitely get some of my winnings. Your spot prize that includes spot prizes. Oh, I'll, I'll actually <laughs> let's renegotiate that. I'll get half a uh, power bar. Yeah, like yep, there you go. Okay, uh, my first try, John. Brent Ryan sent through his try, and it's a book. So you, you've deciphered it and tell me about it. Brent, you had a great experience at the Demi Esprit seventy point three, which is in Montreal in Canada. You did that only a few weeks ago in September the 9th, twenty seventeen, and it's been quite a journey so my first triathlon was something 12 months ago I would have never imagined at 33 I was overweight heavy drinker on the verge of type 2 diabetes wow. I felt like I never had time to take care of myself I started by losing weight and through a diet and running beginning in January and as we progressed in late June I went down to my local bike store and bought a $150 bike. Nice. That is a good deal. Yeah, mountain bike shifters. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Day one on the bike. Jeez, the, the, the thing is you pay for a $150 bike and it's hard work, eh? Because oh, yeah. they're, they're almost designed to be slower than what it should be. <laughs> they're heavy. Oh, they're horrible. But that's not where it starts. He's got his $150 bike. Day one on the bike, Father's Day, I suffer a massive concussion hmm. due to riding headfirst into a tree. <laughs> and then he went off to hospital and there was a nurse there doing a 70.3, so that sort of got the, the fire in his belly going. Um, fast tracking a little bit. Keep in mind, by this time, I lost so much weight. This is when he started his swimming that his bathing suit no longer fit, uh, fitted him. So he just went in his underwear and goggles swimming across a, a river and found a snorkel in his parents' place for his uh, breathing. Wow. Over the next few weeks, I began to introduce a run and the bike again once he was over his uh, concussion and figured I would give the Demi Esprit uh, in Montreal a try since it was the last long-distance race of the season. So he turns up at the race, September the the day before during the athletes briefing the director asked if anyone's first triathlon being intimidated I didn't raise my hand and once he realized it was nobody's first triathlon he said good this would be too ambitious for a first timer <laughs> so, which was followed by a unanimous chuckle so rolling on to race morning uh Nice Canada morning, you know, water temperature 16 degrees, outside air temperature 11 degrees, wetsuits mandatory, he was nervous, out of breath, and strategically located at the back of his wave. The horn sounds, immediately I start passing and bumping into people in front of me, nobody catching me from behind, but essentially a wall preventing my forward progress. My fear of being the slowest, most out of shape guy in the event completely dissipates. I splash through the swim in 37.34, that's pretty solid. Yeah, right. you're, you're first triathlon. Half Ironman doing 2K, 37.34, that's averaging under two minutes. Exiting the water, I face plant, but uh, wearing a, an ear-to-ear -ear grin as I honestly thought I would be pulled from the water from being too slow. Gets onto his bike with his $150 bike. I'm out oh, out. wow, so he's like, he didn't upgrade his bike by this point? I believe not. Wow. <laughs> out onto the bike, um, out of gas after 2K, people flying by me like I'm standing still or even moving uh, in reverse on fancy TT bikes. Yeah, while I pedal, my brain's out and running shoes 
in running shoes on my $150 bike with my mangle drops from my crash 10 weeks earlier. So I'd only done 10 weeks of riding. Nice. Uh, I didn't pass a single person on the 90K um, biking at average max heart rate uh, and averaging 28.5 kilometres per hour and an agonising 309. I'm thinking 309 and 37. Pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, with 10 weeks of riding no shoes to change out of so I was the chump again in tra- or the champ again in transition with a stop at the porter toilet not the porter john oh. I made it through in 318 again sprinting the whole way the run I feel like I'm a pretty good runner especially compared to the other disciplines as I've never been running for 8 months and just like the others I'd picked it up 5 weeks earlier the problem is I'm so tired from the bike like completely out of gas I refuse to quit and just keep passing person after person finishing the run in 152 yeah, it's, it's a pretty solid hell. effort so that's what 4 hours 549 maybe it's four, maybe just if I add those up I think it's going to be 547.02 yep love your work uh, again I would have never thought I could do this a year ago my goals keep increasing daily and I want to do whatever I can that pushes me physically thankfully I have lots of I am talk and legends of triathlon archives to go through during the training sessions I've since bought a, new, a used TT bike, and have noticed a vast improvement in the last few days. What a cool experience! What like I love this. There's so many cool things about this. A, I'm always really fascinated in the person who goes through massive change. You know, to be overweight, a drinker, you know, literally on the verge of diabetes, to then find this life. Mm. Like how transformational is that? I love that stuff. And then you know, he's kind of had 101 triathlon experience, hasn't he? Absolutely. But it's pretty good result. Basic gear, yeah, mate. You are going to improve so fast with some good gear and a little bit more training as well. So, well done to Brent Ryan. You're this week's try. John, let's look at Wanger of the Week. Wanger of the Week this week, we are going to do the most activities. Oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, so, the person did 25 activities. Shane Lauder, she did. He did, sorry. He did 25 activities. But only seven hours and two minutes training. But you take it because you did 25 activities. So you were very active. Yep. Second place, Wes Thompson with 19. And Brent Johnson, uh, Brett Johnson in third with 18. On the girls' side of things, Melissa Erie, 9. Mel Seltiel, 8. And Lisa Hughes, 8 as well. Brent Johnson's putting in the big hours right now, isn't he? He is. 18 hours and 55 minutes training. So good work. You are the most active Iron Talk athlete last week. Love your work. Okay, three, two, one, questions and answer. What do you want to sponsor first? Athlinks.com. <laughs> sponsor. Keep all your results in one place. So if we think of our age group of the week, uh, not our age group, but my first try, Brent Ryan, get that one in the books because 10 years down the track, you'll be looking back at that and going, I've made some nice improvements. So get those early results in. If you're new to the sport, get your early results in and just watch them progress because they all... Some of those races sometimes just drift away and you'll lose the fact where you all began. So check, get all your results in one place on athlinks.com. Okay. Um, John, questions and answers. First up, Shim Greenberg. I was wondering what your thoughts were with regards to taking creatine for endurance athletes. Have you had creatine before, Ben? When I did weight training. 
And that's what most people say. I tell you what, it definitely made you get bigger muscles. Mm. But once you stop using it, they deflate it really quickly. <laughs> and and also, because I, I, when I first started doing gym, I was right into my weight. So first couple of years of gym, I was big. Mm. I, I even did a bodybuilding competition, John. You mm. may not have known that. <laughs> These guys. Put, put uh, the banana down the pants in a exactly, bodybuilding I'll tell you what, John, yeah, exactly. Teams but, um, all round. But the first time I used it, it was like, oh my God, this stuff's mind-blowing. But then I started getting into my cardio and it didn't really work well when you got mm. new cardio. So creatine is usually used by athletes, as in Bevan's case, looking for muscle strength and bulking in size. Uh, weightlifters use it to boost your maximum and repeated sprint speed. Some endurance athletes do use it, but there's not. A, in terms of the research, I haven't seen a great deal that would help you in terms of Long course, short to long course racing, especially if you're doing it in a in a time trial setting. There is some evidence out there if you're doing, say, ITU style or bike racing, where big surges in power are required, might be some benefits there. But in general, for most of us, we're keeping a fairly aerobic output throughout a race. Um, probably not going to get massive benefits from it. Okay. Good times. Uh, next question. Um, this one comes through from who is this from? Evan Koya. Uh, he's got here. Thanks for the shout out on the show last week. Uh, very appropriate. As last weekend, I completed my half Ironman at the local event near me. However, because this race has been sprung up, a couple of questions that I wanted to pose to you boys. First of all, sand running on the sand sucks. How would you recommend training for a race with sand section on the run? First tip is do some training on the sand. Yeah. Um, condition so, yourself. <laughs> condition yourself. But more tips about actually running on the sand is we used to do quite a bit of this with our um, Monday night running group out on the beach. Key things are you want to be trying to step in footprints so you get a slightly firmer um, push off each time. Uh, so that's tip number one. The shortest route is not always the fastest. So if you're mm. running down a beach, it might be longer to, to run on the harder sand, but it'll be heaps faster and it will also be a lot less energy output. Uh, and then the two other technique side of tips is trying to shorten your stride a little bit and keeping your cadence um, keeping your cadence a little bit higher. So that'll be the main things in terms of working your way through those sand traps. Okay, my hip flexors are starting to cramp, uh, which I put down to being weak and overused on the sand. What strength exercises would you recommend for targeting the hip flexors? You might be able to have some input here as well, Bevan, but I reckon the best thing to do is get hold of a, a stretchy band. One um, exercise that I really like, and it's quite kind of hard to explain um, strength exercises on, on the show without having a visual, but you're basically putting that band around your ankle, and there's an exercise called the four corners. And so you you, you sort of push. Well, you're your, tapping. Uh, well, no, you kind of so you you attach the band to say a weights machine or, or a pole at home, and one, if you're facing uh, side on, then you'll be pushing your leg across in front of your body. Yep. Then you spin around, and then you're kind of doing like a knee drive, and then you spin around to the next. So you're basically going around sort of the ninety degree ninety degrees each time, and you're moving your leg in a different direction. So if you do like some a Google search for um, you know strength band strengthening exercise, you'll probably get to see all those exercises in there. I reckon that's a really good efficient use of your time and also another one using a band is the clamshell exercise where you're lying on your
your side and you sort of have a band around your thighs and you're basically opening your knees up like a clamshell. Those would be the two easy ones I'd, I'd recommend. Also, like your lunges. Lunges are great. Yeah, so they're lunges. a bit more practical you can do out on the Yeah, the and also bundle. you can do like repeated lunges or if you've got a TRX, they're really great because you can put your foot in the back foot. Yes. So, and then you get, so it's a lot more stability, a lot more work for your lower limbs as well. Um, and you look at doing the eccentric phase, so really take the slow and the downward phase. Uh, so lots of lunges are really good for, and then you could even just get into good old weights room and get you know heavy weight and do lunges like that as well. It's going to be really good for your hip flexors. But bands is a, a really like bands, nice, fairly quick, easy way, and uh, you can really ide- isolate that area. Okay, question number three: Heading into winter, but my bike seems to be lacking. Any suggestions on good winter strategy to gain some bike power while the weather is a bit rubbish outside? So it depends a little bit where you live and then that depends a little bit on your on your weaknesses. So for some of you guys, you might live in really moderate climates. Yeah, winter time might be when you can really focus on your bike endurance. For most people, we, we have to go through winter and so then you're on your trainer. And if you're going through a winter of being on your trainer, um, having a really good periodized plan, probably focusing on your 20-minute efforts and really trying to work your top end a bit more. But having a periodized plan like Trainer Road have, I think, a... a some sort of plans on there as well but either get a coach or find a plan where you're actually going to work your way through doing say a TT every four weeks or so and uh, and just have some structure so you're not just going through the motions through winter. The, the trainer road one's actually a really good one because that pro we had on a few weeks ago, Daniel Clark, mm-hmm. um, who does tri-splits, mm-hmm. he, was, he, he, he basically spends a lot of time on trainer road and so for those over winter, because motivation can be hard, Mm-hmm. You know, especially yeah. on an indoor trainer. So, you know, tools like that can be really good because they have specific programs that are going to really give you, okay, this month, here's what you're going to focus on. So It's really important each week when you're going through your training, is because especially when you're going through winter, your next race might be bloody ages away. And if you are on the, the trainer, then if you're running, then you can have some running races. But if you're just going through, this, this applies all the way through the season actually, not just during winter, but make sure that you've You've got your little victories every week that you go after because if you're thinking about to your next race, which might be four months away, and you think that's my motivation, I'm going to be mm. getting ready for that race. You know what I really enjoyed my build up to to Rote and to Kona was you know if you're looking at your week and you go I've got two or three sessions there that I really want to nail. It might be going out there and doing three by fifteen minutes at FTP and this looking forward to that, looking forward to the challenge and then getting the satisfaction if you achieve it or if you miss out slightly what you did well and just so so you've got that constant satisfaction as you're going through your training rather than just thinking I've got to get ready for this race, I've got to get ready for this race. It's like I've got to get ready for this next training session and nail that and that's part of the process. So make sure you enjoy your training. Well, and it's the thing we, you know, we often talk about, you know, consistency of training is the key to success. But consistency of quality training is actually the key, isn't it? You know, because a lot of people, you know, like this morning I went for a run, I had a really crap run this morning. I had 80 minutes, I had to do a main set and I kind of really just gave up. And, um... You know, and it's probably the first time I've had a, you know, like I didn't do the speed I wanted to do on Sunday, but, you know, I still gave it everything. Whereas this, today I just kind of gave up. And, you know, like really the reason I feel I've been training so well is because I've consistently been delivering the objective of the session. Mm. So it's not just, hey, I get out the door because I still got out the door this morning and I go, well, you know, I got out the door. But no, if I want to achieve the goal, I've got to turn up every time and do mm. the work. And sure, you're going to have the odd daylight today, but I've, I've now just put my focus on my next session to make sure I can hit the objectives of that. But yeah, so don't just say getting out the door is the key. It's doing the quality of the work that I'm meant to do in my training. And then reflect and enjoy it. Yeah, and because and the thing is, when you like this morning session sucked. I didn't enjoy it. You know, like I was implored, you felt like crap. 
Whereas mm. all the other sessions I've been doing, and it's, it's really affirming, it's really cool, it's really positive. So, mm. okay, good old um, Ben Colbert. I'm going to save that one because I want to talk about that one a bit more uh, maybe ne- next week. And uh, yeah, okay, we'll save those next two for next week. Okay, uh, just just one thing. Um, have you bought the IM Talk app? Now we had an IM Talk app. Now we basically use a, a provider for our podcasts who serves all our data and all the rest of it to you guys and years ago they offered to do an app for us and we, we really had nothing to do with it I think they just offered it to every podcast who um, ran a show and with iOS 11 which is the Apple's latest update for the iPhone uh, the app stopped working now we have no control over that unfortunately so we don't know if it's going to be updated I'm thinking probably it won't be because it seems that they probably would have done it by now it may be but if you have been listening to the show by the app assume it's probably dead now um, so what I would recommend that you do is look for a podcast app in another way that plays a podcast so you've got things like the podcast app on the i on the iPhone um, Stitcher Radio is another one I think even now you know basically just go into your app store it might be Google Play or the um, the app store and, and Apple and just do a podcast app and you'll find one and then basically most podcast apps you can just do a search for I am talk and you'll go in there and it turns up that way there you go Okay, John, we've got some new patrons. We have Andrew Seeger. Seeger, so he is... Okay, I've got one. You do the next one. Okay. The first one, the next one that I saw was Craig Millman. Um, But when I just quickly typed it in there, I thought I saw Craig McMillan. Oh, the the cricket player. The cricket player. Yeah. Uh, So I was sort of thinking I'm going to have to go down some cricket angles here. Yeah, well, McMillan. Oh, he was a funny player, wasn't he? He was. Craig McMillan, for those who don't know much about New Zealand cricket, which I'm sure is pretty much 99% here, was this guy who had so much potential, but he was a bit self-destructive, wasn't he? Yeah, he still did quite well. Yeah, but he wasn't who he could have been. Mm. He was one of those players who I think left his career on out there a little <laughs> the nearly bit. nearly man. <laughs> yeah, he really was, because he was talented. But he was. He, I don't know if work, work ethic was amazing, mm-hmm. um, but also would often just make silly lack of concentration mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He was a good player, but yeah, he could have been a legend. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Craig could have been a legend, Millman? No. No? No, no. Craig, the legend, Millman? Yeah. No, I think we've probably done that already. Yeah, we've probably done that. Out of, how about out of the park, Millman? Out of the park. Smashed it out of the park. Out of the park. Okay, so then so then we've got, um, who was it? Andrew, Andrew Seeger. He's, he's a uh, air traffic controller, lives in the Middle East. He's a POM. Grand, granddad? Well, when I thought Seeger, I thought Bob Seeger. I knew you were going to go, keep your hat on. You've already done that one. Well, well then I just look Bob Seeger's songs on Google. He's got night moves. I like that, night moves. Because night moves, come on, let's think about it. because Andrew does a lot of training at night. And there you night, go, night moves. Night moves. Okay, I'll put the song on the background, John. You keep talking. <laughs> night moves. Night moves. Uh, night, uh, it's come up, it's corrected me, uh, nightmares. So we'll go with night moves. This is, this is Bob Seeger's biggest song. Can anybody hear that other than you or I? Where's he going to put him? Oh, uh, language, oh, oh. Bevan. Language. Oh, no, it's going to <laughs> this is this week's uh, musical interludes. Bob Seeger, 1976. Basically, I'm getting to the chorus. Bevan's coming to the chorus. It's a good song. Get to the chorus, hurry up. There you go, Andrew. Oh, that's sensational. That's a great song. Bob Seger, he's got a few big hits too. <laughs> oh, what's happening here? Did you have a scoop of my mic? Yep. 
So Bob Seger, so night moves, because he, he can go to his, if he's got a partner, mm -hmm. go, look, I'm going to be working on some night moves tonight. There you go. <laughs> Ah, night moves, Andrew. Hey, there you go. Good times. Okay, if you want to become a... Oh, we've got a few others, John. A few others. Uh, these are you know, some regular contributors. Michael the Crater Good. We've got James the Trawler Slade. And Mark the Sledgehammer Stetler. Love your work. If you want to become a patron of the show, just support us. And what we do, you go www.imdoc.me. It's all very clear on the website. John, sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer and also the patrons. Again, go to www.imtalk.me and it's all there. You can email us at imtalkpodcasts at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, put your ratings, tell everyone around your world and rock and roll from there. John, what's your goss? What's my goss? Off to Auckland this weekend to watch the uh, bit of marathon action, half marathon action up there. Oh, because it's, it's, a, it's a romantic weekend with two couples. It is, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Swingerish, doesn't it? It does sound a bit swingerish to me. <laughs> so that's that's a plan for the weekend. Had a big weekend in the garden, Bevan went hardcore. Last weekend was garden weekend, wasn't it? Because mm. I was at the gym this morning teaching a class, and I always got two friends and say, well, which capital weekends have a bit of gossip? 90% of them, garden. It's big sales on, you know, the, uh, the sales nurseries in terms oh. of going out there and buying things. So, so what'd you buy? Uh, we've got a bit of lavender down, then we've got a bit mm. of, uh, I don't know, I'm not good with my plant names, but we'll put some new plants <laughs> down the driveway. <laughs> do, you, do you like gardening? Uh, You've got a big yard, really. Your, your house is deceptive, isn't it? We've got quite a bit. Because there's quite a bit out front, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. We're trying to go, just trying to reduce that down. Yeah. <laughs> Hence why I was doing gardening. What, concrete at all? Just concrete. No, just trying to get things so we can't, don't have to do any weeding. That's what we want. Well, my, we friend, want my friend Mid, she's got a business with the, the fake grass. Oh, yeah. And nowadays it's really impressive. So mm -hmm. wealthy people tend to get the fake grass. Mm -hmm. So, and... It's it, like you wouldn't, well, you'd know, but it's it's pretty impressive stuff now. Like mm. It's not like the old AstroTurf back in the old days. Right. So, there you go. Yeah. So, so, you got, so are you satisfied? Do you like gardening? Yes, as, as long as you get to complete the project and it ends up looking quite good. It's um, um, yeah, There was some sense of satisfaction. So we had a long weekend over here. So then it means for us self-employed like Bevan and myself, it means yeah. you got four days to do five days work. Exactly. I really needed half a day off yesterday mm. afternoon, and I was so tired. I basically fell asleep on the bed naked. Mm. I thought I have a quick That's not nap. A good thought. And then, yeah, poor Joe. She walked in. My bum was poking out at her. <laughs> I, I had a quick nap, which is like I thought I'd go a twenty minute nap. I was pretty tired because I've just been a big period for me and and training because I do ten hours of exercise, eleven hours of exercise just through my job each week, mm. and then training on top of it. And I've been training hard, so I just got to the point yesterday. I was like shagged, and I got home. I had to teach two classes at the gym. After coaching in the morning, and then I got home and had to do like just an easy 8k run. It was, and mm. it, I ran up Harry Island because it was pretty easy. And I remember I got home and I thought, just have a quick nap. <laughs> and I just blotted out. Eh? I was mm. gone, burger, so it was good. You never goss? Um, oh, so Phil's doing the marathon? Phil's doing the marathon. So he's doing 255. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yep, so we did a 10K on Saturday morning, uh, just sub 40, sub 40 minute 10K to sort of get him in the game. What pace does he have to do then? Uh, Four, about 4.10, I think. Four okay. minutes 10 per K, something like that. So should be should be okay, I Is think. Is he feeling good? He's feeling okay. Mm -hmm. One thing that I watched the weekend that was quite interesting, uh, I watched bits and pieces of it. We had a Kiwi guy, first ever, not first oh, ever. Oh, the f First time in 30 years we've had somebody driving in a Formula One race. Not first ever, because back in the day, New oh, Zealand is dominated. Like McLaren, if yeah. you've heard of McLaren Racing, well, that's after a New Zealand guy. Mm. Yeah. And so we had a Kiwi racing. And uh, he was at the back, back of the pack, but he had, it sounded like he well, was it did do well because you know the media is giving him the, the pass right now, which is awesome because he's got this opportunity. But did he actually do well? 
well, he finished 13th out of about 15, I think. But his lap times towards the end were pretty competitive, I think. And he's in a lesser car because he's, mm. he's basically in the... Um, and the Toro Red Bull Rosso. kind of second-tier second team, yeah. Hmm. But what was interesting was at the end of the, this, I guess this is what, it's not really tri-related, but so at the end of the race, you have, uh, they have the, it's very well produced, they have the cameras that actually go into this, um, the winner's room, and so basically these guys have just finished the race, and they go into this room, and they've got to pick up a sponsor's hat, and there's some water there, and they're basically waiting to be taken out on the stage. There's a few hangers-on just around the edge, but it's basically the drivers, the top three guys standing there um, and just waiting, and you can just feel the tension in the room. Oh, because they, they hate each other, don't they? hate each other. They're doing Formula 1, don't they? Oh, my God. And then the, what was even worse is the guy that ended up finishing third, he was standing in there, he was pumped. He did this pass just before the end, and he was standing in this room, he was pumped, and he was sort of chatting to the other guy. It all looked a bit uncomfortable, though. But he'd actually been disqualified, and everybody that's oh, watching... Oh, no, knows this. ...knows this, and he's sitting there thinking he's pretty cool, and then someone just comes and says... Yeah, you're not disqualified. You've got a five-second penalty, so you're out of there. And <laughs> it was just bizarre watching the dynamic between you compare it to say like a Kona finish line, and you got these three people that are just pretty much elated yeah. and, and drained, and just and even when happy. someone loses, they're pretty graceful. Great, mm. you know, you know, these graceful. Guys, yeah, jeez, they just oh, it was uncomfortable watching it. Really? So Did you watch the rugby? To not watch the rugby. Oh, you did well Congratulations, there. Australia. Yeah, Australia beat us at the rugby, and it's, it's a real thing. Mm. So well done to Australia. What's your gossip, Evan? Anything else? Do you know what, John? Don't put chips and dip, dip in front of me. Do you like dip? I love dip. <laughs> you love dip. We went to a friend's house on Sunday night for a barbecue, and uh, they, they knew I was coming, so they had two dip bowls. And I'm pretty sure, there's a few people there, I'm pretty sure I had one bowl to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love, oh my God, i just become hopeless. Yeah. When dip comes out, I am I am all in, mm -hmm. and at the end of it, I'm just fingers in the bowl. Yeah, you know, no, no, double dipping. I don't care. I'm, I've got that bowl underneath me. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dip is just gold food, isn't it? Pizza, garlic bread, oh. dip, chip, all that sort of stuff for me. Oh yeah, mm. pizza is that a weakness? I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah. You like You've pizza? You've seen do. me in the Kona uh, yeah. press conference <laughs> press conference room. They have pizza there, and I'm sort of sneaking around trying to move different positions of the room. Thinking, well, I wonder if they'll notice if I take a piece from that. <laughs> the part. worst year was was when they really did a terrible job at Kona. So it was probably the first year we were there and as, as doing the media work and. They really did a piss poor effort on post race mm. when they just bought pizzas from Dom Domino's, didn't they? They had yeah. no other food. It was really poor. <laughs> John and I had taken over the pizzas, oh. and all the athletes were probably missing out eventually because no. John had five boxes to himself. Oh, it's, it's probably not totally inaccurate. <laughs> so anyway, okay, guys, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mino. Train hard. Train smart. Kick hard.